Welcome to a very refreshing hour of business talk. This is Internet of Things with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. You'll hear from the innovators who know how to use game-changing technologies and business strategies to shake up the status quo in your company's future with totally new sources of information that will change the way you run your business. Now, here's your host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, 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 welcome. Lots of welcome to our listeners all around the world. If you want to run with the Game Changers, hey, you know what I'm going to say. This is where the best run. Let's see what the buzz on the street is today. I have a really good quote. This will set us up nicely. Listen up. It's a quote from Stefan Zoder, Z-O-D-E-R. He is at Informatica's Infonomics and IT Business Consulting Practice. Here's the quote. Data monetization is a tremendously gooey subject. It can mean so many things, different things, and almost everybody has a different twist on it. What is the secret sauce you have within your data repositories? Research has shown that there is money in data. Aha, that's what we're talking about today. So when you talk about wanting to monetize your company's data, you are listeners all over the world, does somebody say to you, dream on? It's not a big deal. It's a bigger deal than that. It's a lot of work. You're not going to be able to get it done. Just keep dreaming about it. Well, we have good news. Data monetization is real, and any company can take advantage of it. But there are some caveats here. You have to dare to rethink your business models. Can't do same old status quo. And you have to aspire to achieve the highest standards of quality and security in your data. So you need really, really clean, secure data. Where do you start? Well, we're going to find out from our two experts on the show today. So welcome. And our topic is time to turn your data into money. But how? And this is part two of a conversation we started back in June. So let's see who our two experts are. And I'm going to ask them to introduce themselves in a moment. First up is a newcomer. His name is Oliver Schwintek. He's at InfoMotion, spelled exactly the way it sounds, all in caps. And welcoming back Wolfgang Epting at SAP. So Oliver, welcome to Game Changers. Why don't you introduce yourself? please. Um, Bonnie, thank you for letting me join the, the show. So some, some background regarding my, my person. I'm, I'm located in, in Germany, in Europe, and I'm working at a consulting comp, um, company, um, which is called InfoMotion, being their strategy consultant for quite a bit, uh, more than two years working in the area of, informo, um, of information and creating value for more than 10 years now. Um, before InfoMotion, it's not my my first um, enterprise in the consulting area. I worked for PVC, PwC, and then Kundus, and in total, I'm working as a consultant more than 10 years. What does this mean? That means that I have seen a lot of companies working on data monetization and information to create value, and I also have the experience from, from the other side. For more than um, eight to nine years, I worked in the McDonald's system, um, trying to also um, create value based on information, using forecasts across the supply chain, and um, make use of them um, in in different eras and different facets. Um, all this is based on a um, um, study on studying economics at the German Federal Armed Forces, and actually that's me having um, different facets of. Um, of, of experience, but a lot of experience in the area of info, info um, information. 
Thank you very much, Oliver. Just quickly, do you agree that any company, if they go through the right set of processes, procedures, tasks, and strategies, any company can monetize their data? Yes or no? What do you think? Uh, it's clear yes. It's clear yes. Ah, okay. And do you agree with my opening quote from Stefan Zoder that data monetization is a gooey subject? Or what do you think? I think absolutely. And so first of all, it's definitely a growing subject which gets more and more important for all companies. And why? Because we are in the age of digitalization. We are in the age of Industry 4.0, which means you're, you're moving from tangibles to, uh, to um, intangibles, and intangibles are defined and created by information. So this whole topic is becoming more and more important and the competitive advantage of today, not of the future, of today. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Very important to know that. Thank you, Oliver. Looking forward to a lot of great insights from you. Wolfgang Epting, welcome back. And Wolfgang, just in case somebody didn't hear you when you were on the show in June, why don't you reintroduce yourself to our audience, please? Yes, first of all, Bonnie, thank you for having me on the show again. Mm -hmm. So I started my career at a medium-sized mechanical com engineering company uh, in Germany in uh, the beautiful Black Forest. And um, so I started as a database administrator and I could quickly take over the main responsibility for the complete data management landscape of this company. So um, after um, more than 20 years, I decided um, to join IBM um, as a client technical professional and um, I also worked on data compliance and security. Afterwards, I was with Informatica and um, so now I'm with SAP for another two years and as you can see, um, it was always data. I love data. Data is a great thing to do and I think data is a basic of um, data monetization and this is why I'm so um, so delighted by this topic um, of data monetization and um, so I really think this is a, a competitive um, differentiator not for the future but today. Thank you. You agree with Oliver on that. Wolfgang, you said you love data. I, don't, I haven't heard anybody say that maybe ever, maybe in a long time. <laughs> I, I love that you say it. I'm not going to give away the quote you picked for, for the, the next part of the show. But do you agree with a couple you said for now, not for the future? And, and that goes in line with what Oliver said. But do you agree with my opening quote from Stefan Zoder at Infonomics at uh, Informatica that Data monetization is a tremendously gooey subject. Do you think it's open to all kinds of interpretation, or what do you see? Yes, um, I would agree to this um, because um, I think there's a, there are a lot of um, aspects and flavors for data monetization. So first of all, it's uh, the first thing is, is data. The second, where is monetization? If you uh, look at the data alone. Um, so I think um, data has to be trusted, it has to be in the right form, it has to be connected, mm -hmm. it has to be secured. And this alone shows you that um, this is a, let me say, this is a prerequisite, not all companies, only a few companies uh, can bring to the table um, at the moment. So um, there's a lot of things, um, and I think we will cover this um, during the course of, of the show. Um, that you have uh, to take care of. Yes, we will. And, and question for you, and I, I'm ask, first I'll ask you, and then I'll ask Oliver. When we talk about data monetization in any shape or form and all of the things you need to go to achieve that, okay, are we addressing 
big companies, small companies, mature companies, new companies, uh, disruptive startups, what I call the big behemoth enterprises. Uh, Wolfgang, who who are we addressing when we talk? What kind of company would say, yes, we want to monetize our data. We have to turn it into money. Is this for any company, any industry, any size, any footprint anywhere in the world? Yes, I would say um, that, that any company um, has a lot of data. So it's not the problem um, at the moment that um, our companies companies do not have um, the volume of data that they would need to monetize it, but I think uh, they do not have the information. They are not able to get information out of data because the uh, data is in, in silos. Um, and um, so we have a lot of examples also here in, in Germany from the small and medium business um, companies which which um, are really innovative in this sector and change their complete business models um, and monetizing data. So I would not say this is um, only for large companies. I would also not say this is um, for companies that um, are startups and um, coming up. Um, so also um, companies which are in the market for a long, long time can monetize data. Thank you. Oliver Schwentek at Infomotion. Agree or disagree? Any company? What do you I, think? I think it's about any company and that's, uh, the size doesn't matter at the end. I think it's about me being in, in, um, innovative, thinking, um, being able to think out, um, outside the box and take some risk um, to think differently. Think, just think about companies like Uber, which uh, have a startup baseline. They grew mm -hmm. very, very fast and just based on information. The other thing is also that um, um, it doesn't matter how big you are. If you want to be innovative, you have to be to have you have to have a vision. You have to have a strategy and some leaders which drive the whole thing into the right direction, which understand the benefits, the, the positive sides of data monetization, and that is what the whole thing is also about. It's not only a technology or information-driven perspective. It's also um, closely related to the entire culture of a company willing to make use of information, willing to act differently, and, um, and, and put this into the, into the mindset of the people which are impacted by that. Thank you very much, both of you. Now that we've met you and we've gotten your take on the topic, let's go around the table, the two of you, please, and we're going to talk about the opening quotes you sent me. And if somebody listening today is new to Game Changers Radio, and this is Internet of Things with Game Changers, our format includes asking the guests in advance to select a quote, any kind of a quote, a movie, a book, a song, a person, famous or not so famous, a play, anything, and to relate the quote, which does doesn't have anything to do with the topic related to the show topic. One of our quotes today is completely off topic. One is a little bit on topic, but very interesting. So Oliver has sent us a quote from Albert Einstein, 1879 to yeah. 1955, German-born theoretical physicist who developed one of the two pillars of modern physics. He's best known for, come on, you all know the world's most famous formula, E equals MC squared. And he received the 1921 Nobel Prize in Physics for his services to theoretical physics and especially his discovery of the law of the photoelectric effect. Here's the quote. Everybody knows this, so you can all sing along with me when I read it. We cannot solve our problems with the same level of thinking that created them. Oliver, tell me how this relates to data monetization, please. Um, as I said somehow um, um, before, data monetization is about different way of, of working. It's about innovation. And innovation means that you have to tackle problems differently. 
um, if you have done this before. Why? Because most often you talk about, which is completely new for you, for your company, et cetera, et cetera. So when we look uh, more closely to digitalization and industry thought, oh, we talk about new things. We talk about information, which is today called big data, which is a huge amount of information available for, for a company, and they're not even aware of that. So being innovative means that uh, most of the companies say, hey, we, we have to work on our information. We have to create some ideas, and they do so. They create a lot of ideas, hundreds sometimes. But the, what they don't do is when they move forward, they stop to be innovative. All of a sudden, they act as they have done before. Um, for whatever reason, they, they, are, they, they fail to take some risks. They fail to take some steps outside, outside the known track. And that is something where I see where the connection between the quote and, and, and Albert Einstein and what we are facing today, because using information um, means also you have to be explorative, means you have to take some risk and you have to do things differently to, to gain the, the full um, potential, which is inside the information. Thank you. In terms of taking risks, Oliver, do you think companies are adverse to that? We, we talk about it it's on many Absolutely. of our Game Changers series. We talk about, for example, the CFO, Office of Finance. They haven't been yeah. so keen to go on board with these new disruptive technologies. Do you think that this concept of making sure your data is secure, what a thought, and that it's clean, what a second thought, is is disruptive in itself to people who are, I'm just going to use the term old guard, meaning they've been around for a while, and it's it's risky to change the status quo. What's your opinion on that? Uh, yeah, exactly. That is, I mean, and taking some risk does not mean that you have to to ignore the risk or uh, that you are not able to manage the risk. It's more about you have to be aware of it and you have to be able to um, to manage it, to 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 guide it in, in some in some way. And you have to step back from from the, the good old concept that you should not be the first one doing something, mm-hmm. um, that follow, following an idea is more secure and, and more, less risky um, than um, um, being, the, being the first on the ground. The, the, the today's world, and explicitly data monetization, shows that the first one with a good idea usually is the best, is, is, will be the one who will dominating, uh, dominate the market, not mentioning here Amazon or Google or whoever. They, those ones mm-hmm. are I mean, the best examples, but there are also a lot of other ideas which fell into that area. So, yeah, um, this risk avoidance or this um, awareness is, is really a problem at the moment um, in, in many companies because they behave as they have behaved, as, as they have behaved before. So, yeah. Thank you very much. Wolfgang has sent us a quote from W. Edwards Deming, 1900 to 1993, a little bit later than Einstein lived. American engineer, statistician, professor, author, lecturer, and management consultant. He was educated initially as an electrical engineer and then specialized in mathematical physics and helped to develop the sampling techniques used by the U.S. Department of the Census, AHA, and the Bureau of Labor Statistics. Here's the quote, and it does have one of our keywords of the topic today, but it's still interesting, so I let Wolfgang use this. It's in God we trust. All others must bring data. Wolfgang, relate that for us, please. <laughs> yeah, so um, so the first time that I that I stumbled over this quote was um, when I when I did a presentation at, at a large insurance company, and um, so I stepped um, into the office um, of the CIO, and um, there uh, he had on the wall. 
we had a poster and um, with this quote, in God we trust, all others have to bring data. And so I asked myself, <laughs> what is the reason? <laughs> um, should this be um, any kind of warning to me uh, to stick to the facts and not to use some kind of marketing um, things and tell him um, absolutely the truth? <laughs> and so um, this was the first time. But um, I think um, this is a famous quote. And um, Edward V. Demig is, is um, yeah, let, let me call him the father of modern data quality management. Um, he was mm -hmm. heavily involved. If you look at this in the economic reconstruction of post-World War II Japan, and um, so Japan quickly became the world economic powerhouse of the 16th, 17th, and, and 80s, and he had the fundamental philosophy that data measurement and analysis is essential to attaining superior performance in every facet of the business. And I think this is a fundamental principle, and it still holds um, true today for any business, because um, I think um, a significant number of businesses have very little idea um, how to use um, data and to monetize um, data and um This is why I choose this, um, because um, this quote um, concisely explains the importance of understanding and interpreting um, data, especially large volumes of data that we create today, almost every day. Um, and um, so this is the reason. Thank you very much. Very, very interesting. I, I happen to love the quote, and it, it, it very seems to be very tongue-in-cheek, actually. It's like, okay, pr prove it to me. Uh, what do they say? Uh, show me the money, right? In this case, that's what we're talking about. Thank you. Gentlemen, we want to give our audience a chance to learn a little bit more about you, so let's find out where you're calling from or where we called you today. Oliver Schwentek, let's start with you. And Oliver, I have a very personal question. I hope you're ready for it. It's, what's your favorite drink? What powers you? Because we know you're very smart and we know you're very serious about your business. So what powers you or what relaxes you after a long day at work? Oliver, talk to me. Yeah, it's more about relaxing, um, the drink I would like to talk about. So I'm, I'm located in Germany, right in the middle of Europe, and I'm traveled along, um, around a lot. And because of that, I get used to a drink which is called Helga. Helga is a German mm. surname, and you will know what's that. Um, I mean, I started in Hamburg, and Hamburg is famous somehow for um, its, its party capabilities and um On a regular basis, you went to a little, very little club in, in the center of Hamburg, and only there you will get a, a Helga. What is it? It's a mix of lemon juice and ginger ale. I think you mm. know this, but um, the third part is corn. Have you heard about it? No. Corn. How do they yeah. How do they make it? Go ahead. <laughs> so that that is that is, is that that is, I mean maybe you are more familiar with the term schnapps. It's based yes. on wheat. And then so you put all these three things together. And the nice thing is it tastes really not like alcohol. It's more ref um, refreshing kind of, of drink, which has a sweet and sour taste. And that's something really which is perfect after a hard day. And it reminds me on, on my great time I had in, in Hamburg where I also met my, my wife. So that's, that's my little secret, the Helga. <laughs> Oh, that's that's such a nice story. Thank you for sharing that. And now, Wolfgang, you know what's coming next because you've done this before. You just heard Oliver being so eloquent. So, Wolfgang, where are you today, and what do you love to drink? 
Yeah, Oliver, just uh, do not drink too much uh, during the show. Yes, so I had a day off um, because my, my son um, had his um, 12th birthday um, today. And uh, so we did uh, a family trip and I'm just re- returning and um, so... I do not have um, anything relaxing in my cup, so it's, it's Kona <laughs> coffee. Oh! <laughs> so, yeah, Kona coffee uh, to, to, to help me stay awake, um, not during the show. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we're not good. We're, we'll, we will keep you awake. Oliver and I will keep you awake. That's a promise. <laughs> yeah, what, do you, so what do you love about Kona coffee? Yeah, Kona coffee is... Um, so I was um, I'm I'm a uh, triathlete, and I did the Ironman on on Hawaii in 2017, and so wow, I'm impressed. Yeah, <laughs> yeah this is um, on Big Island, and uh, Kona is um, is the city on Big Island where the Ironman takes place, and mm-hmm. this is where the name comes from. And only coffee from the Kona districts can be described as Kona. Because only the weather conditions there um, combined with the volcanic soil create this favorable coffee. Um, and so the Hawaiians call it kopi. And um, so this is um, what I really what I really love. It's very expensive, so I do not um, yes. um, enjoy <laughs> it every day. <laughs> but um, have you ever tried it? I don't think so. I, you're, you are bringing back memories. There's a, a little chocolate tier, a chocolate maker on the west coast of the U.S. I used to live in Oregon and in one of the malls in, in Eugene where I lived, there was a, a shop called Mrs. C's, S-E-E apostrophe S. Like, I see you as Mrs. C's. And she had a, a Kona flavored mocha little a chocolate that was one of the selection of many beautiful chocolates they made. And I remember it was one of my favorites. So, But I did look it up uh, Wolfgang, I looked up, it says, Genuine Kona coffee is highly prized throughout the world for its full body flavor and pleasing aroma. Coffee trees thrive on the cool slopes of the Halalai and Moana Loa Mountains in rich volcanic soil and afternoon cloud cover. Machinery at the coffee mill sorts the beans into different grades by size and shape. And here they say one of the main reasons it's so expensive, which you mentioned, is the cost of the labor. In other countries, it costs three cents a pound to mechanically pick in Kona it costs 65 to 75 cents per pound of hand-picked Kona coffee and it's not as available as the other do you agree with all of that is that the right one yeah, yeah absolutely so um so the Mauna Loa that you just uh, mentioned so mm-hmm. there are two um volcanoes on on Big Island Big Island is the youngest of the islands um the Hawaiian islands and you you wouldn't believe it um so it's um I think it's 3,000 um, approximately meters high, um, these two volcans, and it's the Mauna Loa and the Mauna Kea, and this is where this um, coffee comes comes from. And um, so you're absolutely right. 
I'm glad to hear it. Thank you for bringing such interesting drinks, both of you. Well, I'm here in Durham, North Carolina. It's been raining all day, but because I'm speaking to Oliver Schwentek and Wolfgang Epting, it isn't quite sunny, but the rain stopped, so I'd say the world is smiling right now. It actually is a very nice, mild day in the mid-70s. I am not allowed to drink. Wolfgang knows this. Oliver, you won't be surprised. I'm not allowed to drink anything with caffeine in it on radio show days. I think you know why. I'm just happy doing radio, and uh, this is my second live show today. I did one a couple of hours ago. So very interesting to speak with both of you. If you're just tuning in, I have to do a shout out to our audience. This series, the Internet of Things with Game Changers Radio, has consistently been one of our very most popular series over the past. I think this series has been with us for six years. It's one of our longest running Game Changers theme series. So I want to thank all of you around the world for taking the time to tune in, whether you're listening live right now or on demand, or if you're downloading the podcast, which will be posted a little bit after the show is over. Uh, if you're listening to us, however you listen, we're grateful that you have found our content very interesting. This is the last episode of the year for Internet of Things Radio, so we're going to make it a really special one. The top Topic is important at any time for any company. We've already established that with my guests. Time to turn your data into money, but how? And I'm speaking with Oliver Schwentek. He spells his last name S-C-H-W-E-N-T-E-C-K. He's at InfoMotion, G-M-B-H, and Wolfgang Epting. He spells his last name E-P-T-I-N-G at S-A-P. We're going to take a very quick break, and when we come back, we'll do a deep dive Both of my panelists sent me very interesting discussion statements for the roundtable, and we're just going to see how many we can discuss. So don't even think of touching that mouse, that app, that dial. You know the drill by now. Aaron, out. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. The pace of innovation is moving faster than ever, and the future of business business will be defined by how quickly business leaders adapt adapt to accelerated ongoing change. Insights from totally new sources of data, sensors that capture and share what is happening in your business environment, and the tools to understand it and act on it. These are shaping the definition of future success. Join our experts as they analyze and discuss how business leaders can shape the future of change. Internet of Things with Game Changers is presented by SAP. Visit www.sap.com. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. listening to Internet of Things with Game Changers, presented by SAP. You're invited to tweet during and after the live show at Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to Internet of Things with Game Changers. 
Yes, indeed. And we're back talking with Oliver Schwentek and Wolfgang Epting about it's time to turn your company's data into money. Who wouldn't love that idea? Very important topic. But it's not as easy as it may sound, nor is it as impossible as it may sound. The great dream, it can be a reality for you. We're going to start the roundtable formally now, even though we've been going around the table with my two guests. Oliver Schwentek told me the following before the show. He's going to explain it to us, and then I will ask Wolfgang. Epting for his comments. Then we'll pick a statement from Wolfgang's list and we'll go back and forth. So Oliver says, data monetization requires the right set of strategy, culture, and organization. That sounds like a tall order. Oliver, tell us more, please. So looking at data monetization, very often people just look at the information and data and and Wolfgang very nicely explained to us already some some facets of it. Um, looking behind the scenes, we know that data monetization is about generating measurable economic benefits. And when you think about that, and I, I started to dig also a little bit into some literature, literature thing, I found a book which is called Monetizing Your Data from Andrew Wells and Kathy Chang. And in, they did a survey there, and that was very nice to, to, to explain what the, this um, statement I brought up. And because what they stated is that the maturity of a company is linked and its capabilities linked to its, um, its, its measurable benefits based on information. What does it mean? And somehow it's very simple. If you're just able to create reports and queries, you will have the same impact on your benefits than, for example, making use of data mining. And when you start to think about this, you have to think about, okay, these are two ends of the same topic. Um, one at a very low mature level, the other one on a higher mm-hmm. level. And that means I have to think about which capabilities do I need to get from one end to the other if I am at the, at the very low end. And thinking about capabilities, for example, means that you have to link it to a strategy like I want to have the best understanding of my customer because that makes me really competitive. And you have to break it down to, to capabilities like um, I want to have a 360 degree of my customer and all of a sudden the problem starts and you are right in the middle of the organizational battle. Why? Very often you will see that um, um, a data set like the customer is owned by different persons and it's, 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 it's um, 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 de- defeated by them that they were not willing to give the information to others, et cetera, et cetera. So and because of that, you have to to, to tear down walls between functions to make use of the information. And all this, this examples show that it's not just putting in, making use of information, it's re-establishing a strategy, um, a culture within the company which allows you to make use of the information and get the, the benefit out of it. And that also means changing the mind of people. That Thank is you very much. I'm glad you brought up the minds of people because, Oliver, very often we talk about data, we talk about transformation, we talk about digital. Yeah. We don't talk yeah. about the people. We, we miss the, the human side. It's until everybody yeah. is, right, until everything's run by robots or chatbots and behind the scenes, we still have people involved. And, and I'm glad you brought up the idea of culture and organization. Let's bounce this over to Wolfgang Epting. Wolfgang, agree or disagree with what Oliver just proposed? What do you think? Yes, um, I think um, there's a, a very important um, point um, Oliver uh, mentioned here. Um, let me tell you a, a story. So um, sure. this um, 
small company where I, I, I started um, when you stepped into this company. And um, so beside the elevator, there was a mirror. And um, on the mirror, there was a statement, who is responsible for quality at this company? This was a mm-hmm. question. And of course, um, everybody who looked in the, into this mirror um, had the answer to this question because everybody <laughs> was responsible for data quality. And, and, and I love this, uh, but uh, today you, you should um, only add one word, who is responsible for data quality. So this is, um, I think, the cultural change um, that has yeah. to be come up bottom up from, from all the people. Um, I think um, there is a word that... Um, which is you can read about also in the press, which is called data literacy. And mm-hmm. so that everybody, everybody gets aware of the value of data and um, also of the quality of data. Data is not just anymore something that keeps business processing running, but data is something that has value on its own. And this is what um, the complete business organizations um, have to understand. And... Um, Yes, I think it's a huge, a huge task. If you, for example, look at the upcoming um, um, person in in the in a lot of companies, uh, the chief data officer or the chief data and mm. analytics um, officer. So I think um, this is this is especially the task of this persona um, to bring this type of cultural change into into organizations, not only looking at data, but looking at people, process, and um, then um, technology, of course, is, is also, but technology is not the main thing when it comes um, to the usage of data. Thank you very much. Uh, Wolfgang, while you're speaking, I looked up, and you knew I would, I looked up data literacy, interesting definition. Data, data literacy is the ability to read, work with, analyze, and argue with data. Much like literacy is a general concept, data literacy focuses on the competencies involved in working with data. Do you agree with that? Read, work with, analyze, and argue with data? Yes, of course. Um, read read is, um, is, of course, something that you should uh, expect normally from every of your employees. But um, I think the major point is um, to analyze and to work um, with data. This is, um, has to be much more, much more common um, in our today's um, world. So it starts small. So it's not, not just um, using, using data um, and making money in, in such a way that you sell your data. So data monetization um, is, in my mind, um, starts within the organization. If you can, for example, streamline, harmonize, or make some kind of your processes um, quicker, more efficient. This is also the start of um, data monetization for me. Thank you very much. Let me just bounce that back to Oliver. Oliver, do you agree with that definition of of uh, data literacy? I do agree, but I would like to add some some more comments and Please some more, do. Um, um, some facets to to it. Because um, as we speak, we already start to talk about new capabilities. Making use of data, is this something we find in, in, in today's companies? Do we find um, um, roles there and persons which know how to deal with information and to create value of, out of it? I mean, the, the one thing we think um, we find in companies is our data scientists, but most often they apply just statistical 
models and that's it. Let me tell you a story now from a company I um, was working um, with. Um, but they, they, they realize the, um, the value of data monetization. They know that within the information they have, there must be a lot of um, uh, money to make with. Um, what they did was they had no strategy, no vision, nothing else. What they did, they just hired data scientists, a number of mm-hmm. data scientists, set them into a, a new business unit, and then um, looked, at, looked at us, their consults, and asked us, what should we do with them? You see, that is mm. the, the risk I see with when you look at that data literacy. It's nice to look at the, at the definition, but be aware, you talk about new capabilities and new way, way of working, and you should um, um, acknowledge this. Very interesting. Thank you very much. Wolfgang, I'm looking at your notes here. Good conversation, by the way. One statement jumped out at me. We may have already addressed it, but I want to ask you if you have anything else. You say the majority of organizations underestimate the impact of poor data quality. And You want to yeah. embellish that, Wolfgang, or, or have, do you think we've covered that enough? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so in today's world, um, I would say that... Um, so we, we have a lot of data, but not um, not a lot of information. So um, data is, is, is stored in silos and um, have to be brought um, together to get um, real um, value out of, of the data. This is um, what what I think, and this is a huge task um, to to be able to monetize data. So um, if you think of data and what is what is the value of data? I think you can um, you can think uh, of, a, of, a, of a real simple equation. So the, if you want to get value of the data, you have to have the right um, volume of data and you have to have um, the proper quality of your data and you have the right measures in place um, to use your data. Only then um, you will get the um, value of your data. And um, so it's a multiplication if you do not have the volume um, if the volume is zero, everything is zero. zero. You do not, um, you are not able to get um, value of data. Um, if you do not have the proper quality, if you have a zero at this term, at this part of the arithmetic term, everything will be zero. You cannot get value of your data. And of course, you have, the, um, have to have the proper um, analytics or uh, machine learning AI capabilities to make um, use of the data only then um, you can get really um, value of, of your data. And um, so I think um, we had, um, last time, we, we had a very good conversation with um, Sebastian Derwisch um, mm-hmm. from, from BARG, from the institute. BARG is a research institute. And they did a study on, um, on monetization. And what they found is that um, there are two big inhibitors on data monetization or the questions why do only 17% at the moment monetize their data and um, you could think it could be some kind of management um, intention or management support or something like that. It was not. It was um, 54% of companies answered that data quality is the major inhibitor and about 43% which um, is, is data um, security and this shows if people do not really trust in the data that they mm-hmm. really have, they cannot use the data and to make real um, value of the data. I think it comes down to to trusted data, 
you have to understand um, where the data comes from, where it's um, where it's stored, how it moves through your company proliferation, how the data is maybe running through your systems, um, maybe just um, through ETL tools or something like that. And only then you have the trust in the data that you can make decisions out of your data or that you can even go a step ahead and offer the data um, to the market. Because I think there is a lot of risk um, behind using your data if you make the wrong um, decision mm-hmm. or if you take the data to the market um, you could just um, damage your reputation on the market if you do not have the proper um, data quality. And um, so um, this is um, why I think um, that uh, companies have to think about um, data quality strategies um, and to put proper um, rules and things in place to measure data quality, not just at one time, but um, data quality is, uh, is an ongoing task that has to be taken very serious um, in a continuous um, way to be to be able um, to, for example, to on the sea level, chief data officer. We mentioned that this persona is um, is coming up in a lot of companies, and um, this is something that those people know um, how the quality of of all their data um, is in the company, and. Yeah, I could. Um, <laughs> I could it's a big uh, topic. <laughs> it's it's a big topic. Thank you, Wolfgang. I want to ask Oliver: agree or disagree with the eloquent delivery from Mr. Epting on, on what he thinks about companies not recognizing the problems with bad data? Where you go? And unfortunately, unfortunately, I have to agree, and I think things are even worse. Um, mm-hmm. Adding some some um, facts to it, um, which make it unfortunately more worse. There's there's a Gartner study. Um, which states that more than 60% of big data um, projects fail. That means that the, that the, 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 the projects which are innovative, which try to, to make um, information um, available in a new way, um, fail 60%. And when do they fail? They fail when, when the idea from, goes from, from, uh, from, from the idea to production, which means should be available um, across the entire um, company and the reason behind that is, is just what what, what um, Wolfgang has explained. It's that it, it's the underestimation of whole work which is required to get things done in the area of data monetization. What I try to do is when I try to highlight um, the, those topics to people, I try to compare data monetization to building a house. Um, it's it's nice to think about each single room. Um, it's nice to think about how much light you need, how much, how where you will sit, etc., etc. It's really nice to do so, but if you don't have a plan, how many levels your house should have, where you need a window or a door, then you will fail. You will not have a nice house. You will not have nice rooms, but if you cannot get in them, you will fail. So that is the, the whole story about master data management, data quality, etc. It's not nice to think about, but you have to do it to make um, use of of your ideas and your um, data monetization initiatives. Thank you very much. Good topic. Uh, Oliver, I'm looking at your notes. Here's something interesting. You say data monetization is a paradigm. On the one hand, Mm. or maybe it's a paradox, maybe it's more of a paradox. On the one hand, you want to quantify impacts. On the other hand, you want to be innovative and experimental. Is that a huge shift for companies to figure, well, how much do we want to go out on a limb and try something new and be risky versus, okay, this is what we got. Let's do what we have with it. What's your thought? 
And they, exactly, and also I mean the 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 the, the stories I'm. I can tell from 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 customer engagements. Uh, some some are all the, all the same. They want to be on innovators. They have, they have a great idea, and we started to put in some some technology. We bring in ETL tools. We bring in new databases uh, at a very small level. They start to look at the data, and um, the, the investment is quite low. So the risk is also quite low for the entire companies. And what they what then happens is they get the first impact on the whole thing. Um, for example, you know, um, you know, um, you see that there's a correlation between some customer segments. Um, you can identi- identify you haven't been able to before, and you know that when you identify those customer segments, you will be able to um, to sell the right products to them, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But then, um, all of a sudden, that things get bigger, and you have to 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 um, share this idea and the solution across the company and then investment gets bigger. And mm-hmm. then the question is then, okay, if I do invest this one million there, how much do I get back? And that is the, 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 the paradox and I would like you to address here um, because very, very, very often it's simply not possible. You just know things will get better and you know that um, you will make more money. Um, there's, a, there's, a, um, there's a study from, I think it's um, eighty. Kearney, um, which state there's a huge difference um, between those which are not able to do so and those which are the, the leaders in, in, in the analytics segment. And the difference on the profit, they state, is about more than 60%. But that you cannot quantify this really, but it's just that based on this survey, you see 60% impact is possible if you take a little bit of risk and move forward and then make use of your innovation and don't wait for the for the final business case and a lot of digits behind the last figure. Hmm. Interesting, Mr. Epting. Agree or disagree? What do you think? Yes, basically, um, agree. So well, what I would like to add um, to what, what Olimo mentioned, so we are doing some kind of, um, let me call it design thinking um, workshops together with our customers just um, to figure out um, how to use data and what um, use cases could be worth following um, together with data and to put intelligence to the data in the form of machine learning and so on and so on. Um, but I'm not really sure if this is um, something which is um, very specific to, to Germans or German um, companies that they have to, <laughs> they have, to have a business case <laughs> they have to um, calculate the re- return on invest because um, if you do such kind of things, then you have maybe um, five or six alternatives on your table, and then things get um, start to to be complicated because now um, you have to <laughs> to choose from um, from these possibilities for for the best way um, to go. And normally, what we see is. Um, if you, you do not um, have all the data that you need, for example, um, in your own company, if you think about geodata, if you want to do some kind of um, analytics around um, geolocations or whatever, maybe you will need some kind of um, data from the market. So you have to put mm-hmm. things together here um, in order to be able to, um, to realize your business case and then things are um, getting to start complicated and um, yes, I think there is risk um, risk behind, um, but maybe other companies in other parts of the world are not so risk averse as, as German companies are. Um, but then, then they are struggling 
um, and they do not follow up maybe some kind of ideas. Um, so this is what I see at um, at our or at, at customers I'm I'm working with, and so things are really um, slow. Thank you very much. We're just about at the crystal ball predictions part of the show, but I just want to touch on one one set of words of wisdom here in addition to the ones we've already had from both of my guests. Wolfgang, I'm just going to read this and just spend, oh, spend about 60 seconds on this, and then, Oliver, get ready for your predictions. So Wolfgang told me, he said, it's wise to set real, realistic expectations, take baby steps, and spend the time in the hypothesis and experimental stages before you go for an expansive and possibly expensive launch. And we're talking about data monetization. How wise is this? Is this something you've experienced from watching companies go too fast, Wolfgang? I think it makes a lot of sense um, to fail fast, to fail forward, and yep. um, to, to do um, some kind of um, experimental things on, on data because... Um, if you think um, about people involved in such kind of projects, you have the data scientists, which coming from the universities, they speak completely as other languages. And then they, they just um, come into the, the company and they find IT people and they ask for data, which they cannot get. And they, they think, hey, um, what was I hired for? So, um, I do not get the data, but I should do some kind of machine learning on any kind of data. And if they get the data, it does not fit together. They have to clean them and so on and so on. Um, so they spend too much time on, on data and they cannot do what they really um, should do. So I think this is a, a cultural thing and um, every company should start um, small, do some kind of experiment, find together to bring all the people together, data stewards, data scientists, Maybe to do some kind of MVP, a minimal viable product, and um, to, to test it um, somewhere um, just to get a feeling and to know how it works and um, to see how the market adapts maybe some kind of services um, to improve the product that they already have in, into the market. I think it's a process. So it's a journey. It's not a, a cut over and then, then you can say, uh, today I'm a data-driven company from tomorrow on. This will not work. So... Um, companies have to, um, yeah, they have to 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 do the journey from from a process oriented uh, to a data driven company to a dig- really digital company. And now I have reached sixty seconds. <laughs> Thank you very much. Let's go. I wanted to make sure we got that in. Oliver Schwentek, Let's look at the crystal ball and let's give you. Let's see, we have about four minutes left. So why don't you take about 90 seconds for your prediction? What do you see coming up the road, down the pike, whichever direction you're facing, over the horizon, in the next anywhere from 10 minutes after the show is off the air to up to 2025? What will change about this concept of turning data into money, what we're calling data monetization? Oliver, go ahead. So I think that this will be the capabilities across industries and companies which cannot be ignored anymore which will be the topic at, at, uh, on every, um, in every meeting, in every, in every initiative. And just think about what happens this week, and that was very astonishing um, reading about that. that was, have you heard about the quantum computer um, used by Google? Mm-hmm. So that is, um, what they did was that they did some computation, and um, the result is that um, um, a computation which was done by the 
um, fastest computer on earth before it took weeks to get to the results. The quantum yep. computer was able to do it within minutes. So when you think now about the information we have and data monetization and time we need to get insights and you see this um, scaling of, 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 of speed, it will be such disruptive if this whole thing gets to, to, to work, to, to production. Think about autonomous driving, things like that, which are currently a little bit blocked because of the missing capabilities on the, on the hardware side. All of a sudden, they will, will be able, problems which are not predictable at the moment, insights which are not available because of those things will be, will be available, and this will definitely change our, our life tremendously, like um, the iPhone did in, in 2006. And, as, and, and, and I'm very sure about, I'm not talking about the next 10 to 20 years. It's really, this will happen within the next three, four, five years. And and we already see these tremendous changes. As I'm, I'm from Germany, so the, the automotive industry is one of our main subjects here. When you look at, at the things which happen now, which hasn't hap- haven't happened for years, all of a sudden automotive starts to change. Sees information as the asset of the industry, starts to work on it, starts to create new service, and and the, the vehicle itself, the car itself, is no longer the most important thing for them. Information is the asset which will create new services like autonomous driving and, 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 and um, customer-focused things like um, additional service while you are traveling, um, proposals for a hotel, for some, some activities around your, your uh, location where you are, etc., etc. So that is what I'm foreseeing within the next um, um, five years. Thank you very much. We just have 60 seconds for you, Wolfgang, but you can do it fast. So go ahead, Wolfgang. Epting, predict, please. Yeah, so um, I would say what um, what can be digitized will be digitized. So um, this is something uh, is a change, uh, so a major change um, also in our um, society. Because um, if you look at the generation Y set and so on, they um, they are um, used to work um, with data. And if you want to predict the future, um, maybe sometimes it's worse to look at um, the past. And um, 2010. Um, you, if you look at the, the largest um, companies in the world from a market capitalization point of view, and you compare this to 2018, you will only find four of them. And um, the other ones, Amazon, Alphabet, Facebook, Alibaba, Tencent, on, and so on and so on, they all have a data-driven um, business model. And this is um, what, I, what I think um, something that um, shows us the direction that we are going in. Thank you very much, gentlemen. It has been such a pleasure and a privilege speaking with both of you. I appreciate your insights, your expertise, your following along, following the bouncing ball on the format today. I want to do a special shout out to Dana Corder at SAP, who has worked so hard to put together so many of these shows this year for Internet of Things with Game Changers, and Ira Burke at SAP, who I hope will renew the series. It's one of our most listened to around the world. And Aaron Keller, our engineer extraordinaire at World Talk Radio, the business channel. I'm Bonnie D. Graham, and here's my call to action. Fasten your seatbelt. What in the world are you waiting for? Go out and be a game changer, just like Oliver Schwentek at InfoMotion and just like Wolfgang Epting at SAP. Have a great day. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to Internet of Things with Game Changers, presented by SAP, the best-run SAP. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter, hashtag SAPRADIO.